the hay man. It's, uh, I tell you, some, uh, some real good chances right there to say amen or hallelujah or something. You ought to try it once before you go to heaven because you get to heaven, you're going to have to join us whether you want to or not. Amen? That's a color. We've got a lot to shout about. Amen? And, uh, I'm not a... I'm not a uh, you say, I don't like all that emotionalism. R.G. Lee said, I'd rather be a fool on fire than a scholar on ice any day of the week. Amen? And I know what he meant by that. That's... Uh, that's uh, Feelings are a shallow part of us, but they're a good part. Amen? And, uh, that's, that's good singing. I tried in vain a thousand ways, my fears to quell and my hopes to raise, but all I need, the Bible says, is ever only Jesus. My heart is not and my soul is still and I cannot see and I cannot feel. For light, for life, I must appeal in simple faith to Jesus. Though some may mock and some may blame, I'll go with all of my guilt and shame. And I'll go to him because his name, above all names, is Jesus. Aren't you glad we have a Savior to worship and to sing about, to preach about, and to witness for? And uh, he's, a, he's a good God, amen? Oh, Larry Brown said he can't help it. He's natured that way, amen? And uh, as big as he is, we'd be in trouble if he wasn't good, amen? But uh, he's a good God, and uh, it's a joy to be in his house. That, uh, you know, folks, we got it made. We ought to realize that, Amen? We've got God's Word in our hand and God's Spirit in our heart and a home waiting in heaven and we've never been this close to home before and He's never failed us. He ain't never going to. And He's waiting for the next prayer that He might answer for us. Good night, Irene. We ought to grin a little bit. Amen. And uh, be glad that we're saved and on our way to heaven. Take your Bible. Judges chapter 13. Will you turn there? I appreciate so much Pastor Burke uh, letting me come and preach and I've enjoyed uh, this month. I've honored to have a little part in the uh, Bible Institute and enjoy talking with uh, the fellas uh, about, uh, Brother Travis said, just kind of what you've learned in 40 years. I said, I've learned a lot from my mistakes. <laughs> you know, I have a ton there. But uh, I've enjoyed that. And then uh, last Sunday and today, uh, that's uh, uh, it's kind of unusual to preach in the same place that much in, in one month when you kind of travel around like I do. Uh, but be encouraged, church. They that endure until the end, the same shall be saved. You've almost made it here, amen. You know, one more service, and I'll be gone for a while. But uh, I've enjoyed this time, and I hope you've uh, got something out of it. It's. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about uh, the uh, the mission trip and all involved in that, and the safe trip home, amen. That. Uh, I always pray for God to put angels on the airplane's wings and uh, and bring that thing home safe. You say that's silly. We get to heaven, we'll talk about that. Amen. You know, I I don't see anything wrong with praying that way. Do you? Amen. And uh, bring him home safe, and uh, give a good uh, good things happening. That's uh, all right. Judges chapter thirteen, and uh, keep your Bible handy. Will you do that? Uh, we're we're going to read more than I normally read. I'm not apologizing for that. Uh, the most important part of any sermon is what you read out of the Bible because that's the only part that's perfect, amen? And so we're going to read more than normal, so keep your Bible handy. Uh, but we'll start out just by reading one verse. Uh, in Judges chapter number 13 and verse number 24, the Bible says, And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. 
And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for uh, the Sunday school hour. Uh, Lord, uh, safety you gave, uh, Lord, your children as they gathered here in your house. And Lord, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, bless now the, as you have the singing and the teaching this morning. Bless, I, I pray, the, the preaching of your word. And Lord, help me to say just what I should and nothing more, nothing less. Lord, I stand in a spot where the arm of flesh has failed me before, and it will again if I would be so foolish as to trust it. So help me not to do that, but to trust you, and uh, Lord, and to just, uh, Lord, to uh, be led of your spirit, and uh, Lord, and say nothing more nor less. Help us to lift up Christ, and Lord, I pray if there be one in this room, uh, Lord, that's never been saved, that doesn't know for certain that heaven's their home, Lord, I I pray that uh, they would decide right now, make their mind up, that uh, they're going to get this thing settled. And, Lord, uh, that uh, they would leave here knowing for certain, uh, Lord, that Christ is in their heart. Lord, uh, start behind this pulpit, and, Lord, show each of us where we can be more like you. Uh, Lord, perhaps things in our lives that need to be removed, perhaps things that need to be added. Uh, Lord, just let us leave here more like our Savior than we were when we came in. Lord, have your will and way now in every heart. When the invitation comes, I pray that you would do what we know we cannot do. And, Lord, uh, we'd see you work, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. A little boy was born. That uh, His parents, no doubt, had looked forward to, uh, as parents will, uh, rightfully, uh, when it looks like God is going to bless the union with a, a baby. And they looked forward to when the little baby would be born. Uh, Bible here, I've read in your hearing, when the baby was born, uh, that they, uh, they, uh, they, they named him Samson. Uh, Samson means sunshine. Did you know that? That's what the word means. And uh, how that little baby certainly must have brought sunshine to their life. Uh, most any parents, when they hold a little baby, they, they think, you know, what, what will the life hold? And what will they see? What will they do? You know, what, what, what path will they take in life? It's the most natural thing in the world. And I'm sure that they thought that about this little baby. Uh, that they named Sunshine. Uh, from his birth, he was to be a Nazarite. Uh, I don't want to bog down here and take all day, but the, uh, that, that meant that he was to be, uh, that was a, a very select group, and it meant that he was to be separated, uh, that he was to be uh, different, uh, dedicated, different, set aside for God and for his work. Uh, it, was a, it was a special calling, and Samson was called to be a, a Nazarite. One of the things that, or, or three things, I guess, that that would have included uh, was no strong drink. Uh, that's good advice for all of God's children, amen? Uh, I'm so against booze, I don't like butter rum lifesavers, amen? <laughs> you know, uh, just stay away from it, stay away from it, it'll, it'll hurt you. That, uh, and uh, if a one was a Nazarite, he would have no strong drink in his life whatsoever. Uh, he was not to touch any dead thing, any corpse, uh, anything that had died, he was never to touch that. Uh, and no razor was to touch his head. Uh, now, now, don't go sideways on that. <laughs> you know, that, that was real special. Uh, I don't think there's a Nazarite in the room, okay? You know, and uh, the Bible says that that's not even nature itself teach you. It's a shame for a man to have long hair. It's still okay to read the Bible, amen? You know, that, uh, you say, what's wrong with it? Well, one reason I'm kind of jealous the more I go, amen? But, oh, that's funny. Don't you think that's funny, you know? But, but, but you know, guys look like a guy, amen? You know, ladies look like a lady, you know? And, uh, and but... This was a special thing that uh, formed the particular little class of the Nazarites. 
there was a, uh, and he was, uh, that would be set him apart. Most of y'all know, and everybody here is sure, that Samson was incredible. He was known for his strength. Uh, how strong he was. I've often thought, uh, everybody says, well, he was because of his hair. Uh, well, that was the sign of the source of his strength. Let's just read some scripture here. Look at 1325. You're real close there. The Bible says, what was the real source, though, of his strength? You grow long hair, you're not going to be strong. Uh, it was a sign of a Nazarite source of his strength. Look at 1325. The Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Estenol. Look at 14 and verse number 6. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. He had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father nor his mother what he had done. Look at 1419. The Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went to Ashkelon and slew 30 men. Look at 15 and verse number 14. And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted again against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. The source of his strength was the Spirit of the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying there? I believe it's a picture of Acts 1 8. For the Christian today, you and I in the church age, when the Bible says and, and, and that in Acts chapter 1, the Spirit of the God gives us strength. We, we're empowered by the Spirit of God to do something for the Lord in our lives right now. It's not in necessarily what you and I can but it's in the, the glory belongs to God. Amen? But ye shall receive power after that the Spirit of God has come upon you. And so here little Samson is, and from a very early age, little sunshine, if you will, and the Spirit of God is using him. He is set aside. He's a Nazarite for special purposes. It must have been, I, I, I don't think he looked so strong. Uh, I, Delilah wanted to know the secret of his strength. If he looked like the Hulk or something, you would have known what it was. He looks like the Hulk, you know. But I think he was a little old skinny kid that looked like any other little old skinny kid running around. Uh, do you ever watch the Flintstones? This is spiritual. You remember Bam Bam? <laughs> remember Bam Bam, you know? And boy, he'd, he'd grab a card, smack it up and down, you know, and all that. I mean, I, I don't know, but I wondered just as a kid when, you know, Samson started the good night, what did he just do? You know, I, I can imagine, you know, all of that. And he's growing up, and his parents are so very, very proud of him. Uh, he did some marvelous things. He, uh, one day he took an, an old bone, just a bit sun-bleached, and he killed a thousand Philistines with it. With a bone. A thousand Philistines. It'd be hard to shoot a thousand Philistines. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, that'd be a pretty big chore to try to shoot a thousand Philistines. He did it with a bone of all things. Just a bone. Uh, he killed a lion. The Bible says it, he tore it apart as you would a little baby goat. It was like nothing more to him than just like a little, a little baby goat. Just grabbed it and killed that vicious lion. He, uh, he carried off the gates of a city and took it to the top of a hill. Uh, can you imagine tearing the gates off of a city <laughs> and picking it up and running to the top of a hill with it by himself? The Spirit of God came upon him. 15.4, he caught 300 foxes, 300 foxes, tied their tails together, set them on fire, and it burned up the Philistines' fields. I've gone out of a night and tried to catch one fox. They're hard to catch. I'm telling you, you know, they're hard little boogers to catch. I've caught a few, but not a lot. And how in the world did that man go out and get 300? I, I guess he just went up and took big old rocks and lifted them up and went in caves and tore I, I don't know. 
It, perhaps he could run real fast. The Bible doesn't say he couldn't. Uh, you know, if he was that strong, maybe he could run until the foxes got tired. Of, I, I don't know, but I'm just telling you, he was doing things that normal people just don't do. Amen? And when the Spirit of God would come upon him, uh, he was mentally strong too. He, he loved riddles. He loved matching wits with people. And, and it, on a level ground, he would win when he did that. He, uh, uh, but yet, he experienced tragic failure. He ruled Israel for 20 years. was a judge in Israel for 20 years. But yet, most of you know the awful, awful end of the life of Samson. He went from hero to zero. He went from victor to victim. He went from overcomer to the overcome. And there's a, there's a, there's a picture here, Christian. There's a picture here of the awful, paralyzing, blighting power of sin that you and I need to be careful of in our own lives. That's a, uh, the source of Samson's sin. It started out so perfectly. Uh, it started out so wonderful. He see, but yet, he still had the old nature about him. Paul said, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. You see, he was incredibly strong. He was used of God, but he was still in this old flesh. In me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Bible tells us to mortify the deeds of the flesh. We know that we are justified just as if we had, somebody says it's just as if I had never sinned. It's more than that. It's just as if you had always been righteous. God wipes the slate clean. It's gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Buried in the deepest sea and that's good enough for me. Amen? And we're justified. We're sanctified where we're set apart from the, from the very power of sin. We're set apart from the world to Christ. I preach all over this country, and there's a lot of people so proud of the fact that they're separated from the world. And, well, that's fine and good, and it'll probably keep you out of a lot of trouble, but it's not accomplishing what God wants it to in your life until you are set apart from the world to Christ. It's got to be to Him. I mean, those monks sitting on them castles with their legs crossed, holding their fingers like this and going, hmm. I mean, they're separated from the world, but it's not bringing any glory to Christ. Sanctification is where we that have been justified, made alive in our spirit, in our soul, our, our, our mind, our emotion, our intellect, our will, that, that, that soul of man, whereby the, the, the spirit works on the soul, whereby more and more we're separated from the world to Christ. Glorification will happen when we are set free not only from the penalty of sin and the power of sin, but the very presence of sin one day in heaven to love God like we always should have and thank God never to disappoint him anymore. Amen? Now all of that is Samson shows us a picture of sanctification where it we yielded to the flesh and not to the spirit. Now look at me. There's nobody here but us and none of us need to act like we're some kind of holy thing that <gasps> my flesh is as mean and sorry and honorary as it has ever been. <gasps> and so is yours. That's why that little thing happened this week. You remember. <laughs> you remember what you thought? <gasps> Who of us would want everything we thought put on the screen for everybody to read? <gasps> Not me. <gasps> Our flesh. That's why the Bible says to mortify, you got to kill it. You know why you got to kill it? Because you can't train it. You can't train it. 
And when we yield to that, there's always that part of us that wants to slap back. There's always that part prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God that I love. There is that, I, I think I said last week here, there's three people right in your seat right now. You say, no, just me. No, well, there's three of you there. There is, un, there is you just like you are right now. Then there is unlimited potential for good. To die to the flesh, to be alive in the spirit, to, to follow the leading of God, to little as much when God is in it, and, 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 and to be, and there's un, more than you've ever imagined. What God can use with a man, woman, boy, or girl totally dedicated to him. I believe that. There's also the potential for what you never dreamed possible in your life and in mine if we yield to the flesh and not to the spirit. My office at the church. I'm not pastor anymore, but they still let me have a little office. I think nobody wants to be the one to tell me I can't have it no more. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I got me a little office at church. You know. and I, and I still got more nation papers up, you know, uh, stuck up on the wall. And uh, I, I ain't going to, I would never show them to you and say anything, but sometimes I look at the men that signed my ordination paper. That, uh, I've been to ordination services where there's two or three on the council. When I got ordained, there was about 40 preachers because I was Travis Hudson's son. That's the only reason. <laughs> they all wanted to talk, you know. And they all wanted to ask hard questions and all of that. So I sat there, you know, and there they were. And, and, and then there came time you had the laying on of hands and all of that, and then they all signed my certificate. You're saying, so what? I've read that thing many a time and teared up and looked at good men. Good men. Men that I was proud to lay their hands on me. Men that I was proud to come by and pray with me. Some of those men that I picked up the phone and called at times in my life, but yet I don't know one thing after another. Who knows what goes on? It usually starts with it's not that big of a deal and you lean a little bit the wrong way and you go a little bit farther and then all of a sudden you end up doing things you never dreamed you would do and lo and behold, I look at that and think, but by the grace of God, there go I. There's not a person in this room better than Samson. There's not a person in this room better than David. There's not a person in this room better than Peter. Not one of us is better than men like that, but yet we all know what happened when they gave in to that temptation, thought they could handle it, and they went and leaned the wrong way. Say, Brother Hell, nobody in this room is doing horrible things right now. I, I, I would be thrilled to find out that that's true. But I'm here telling you, Baptist, you listen to me. There is that potential in every single one of us. It's there. Or I do. Do a good job of repenting every day. Old A.W. Tozer says, do a good job of repenting. You know what us Baptists love to do? Lord, forgive us wherein we have failed thee. Amen. Well, isn't that sweet? <laughs> Why not, Lord, you told me to pass out a track on that elevator and I just bowed up on you and I didn't and I'm sorry and God forgive me and next time I promise I'll do better. What about, Lord, you blessed my life when I got that bonus and you told me to give half of it to missions but I was greedy and kept it and Lord, forgive me for that. Forgive me for that. God, by your grace, I'll do, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do all I can to not live that way anyway. Am I making sense here? 
He got little old Samson, and here he is, and he had all of that potential, uh, but yet he leaned the wrong way. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Layman Strauss, if you ever wrote some great commentaries, I heard Layman Strauss preach when I was in Bible college. I forgot something he said. He said preachers that he knew that had fallen usually in, in, in immorality was a sin. And he said he started writing their names down and praying for them every day. And he said his book got up to 600. And he was so terrified that somebody would get hold of it and figure out what it meant that he burned it. You listen to me. There's not a one of us that's above that. There's not a one of us that needs not be careful. Every one of The key is to stay as close to God as we possibly can stay. But Warren Wiersbe said this, We need to be merciless to sin because sin will be merciless to you. I don't go to dirty movies. No, but you sure do stare at those commercials. I tithe. <laughs> Who was that guy who said figures don't lie, but liars do a lot of figuring? <laughs> There's a difference on 10% of the first fruits and 10% of what's left over after everything else. <gasps> I support missionaries, I pray for them. Every mission conference. <laughs> what are you picking on me for? I'm picking on myself and letting you listen. <gasps> Amen. <gasps> There's a Sam, how did Samson end up in such a mess? You listen to me. He was look at fourteen one to three, and Samson went down to Timnath. What in the world is he doing going to Timnath? <gasps> Bunch of Philistines down there. <laughs> that uh, you show me the crowds you run with, and I'll tell you the kind of a person you are, or the kind of a person you are soon going to be. What in the world is he doing going to Timnath? He saw a woman in, in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines and he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. His father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me for she pleaseth me well. Sounded an awful lot like a three-year-old right here. I want her. She makes me happy. You get her for me. His parents are giving him good advice. He won't listen. But, uh, he said, well, he couldn't help it if he loved her. All right, now let's talk about that for a minute. But I, I love her. Samson loved Delilah too. The Bible says he loved her. You're listening to a bunch of perverts in Hollywood that says you fall into love and you can't help it. Oh yeah, you can. The Bible says husbands love your wives. The Bible says to be ravished with her, the, the wife of thy youth in, in Proverbs. You, you love her. You don't fall out of love with her. You love her anyway. I heard about a guy says, I can't love her, you know. Christ died for the church. I can't love her that way. Well, the Bible says, love your neighbor. <laughs> he says, I don't even think I can love her like that. The preacher says, the Bible says, love your enemies. You've got to love her. <laughs> you know? I mean, the Bible just says, husbands, love your wives. 
I don't know how many times I've had couples come in my office and they sit down there and they look at me and they're going to, they're going to divorce, you know. And they're all mad as, they're mad as wet hornets and they're, you know, and there they sit. And this is what I've heard. I just don't love him anymore. I just don't love her anymore. Every time I've heard that, I think, I thank God that God will never say that to me. <laughs> he will never say that to me. You say, well, what do you say to those people when they don't love each other anymore? I mean, they can't help it. Yes, they can. <gasps> Husbands, love your wives. You love her anyway. It's not some emotion that picks you up and slaps you against the wall. It's a, it's a, it's a decision. You love your wife. Wives, love your husband. Now, you got a little harder job here. But you love your husbands. Now, don't be theological here with me and run up here after church and say, the Bible doesn't command me that i got to love my husband. Well, in Titus, it says that the elder women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands. It does say that. If you want to play Greek with me, I've been there, done that. That means expression of love. That means physically showing love. I know that. You say, what does that mean? The elder women are to teach the younger women that. What does that mean? It means grandma knows a whole lot more than you think she knows. That's exactly, that's, that's, oh, that's funny. Don't you think that's funny? That's exactly what that means. And the point is, now here's the point, guys. When a man loves his wife the way that God intended, you love her like Christ loved the church, and he was willing to die for the church. When a Christian man loves his wife with that kind of a godly love, God has put it in her. She will respond to that and love him back. It's just the way that God made them. Let me talk to young people here. Your mommy and daddy telling you they don't want you dating that bird anymore. I don't know your situation, and, and, and you, you're, I don't want to hear about your mom and dad don't know anything. I don't want to hear that. But I know every situation is a little bit different. But in the overwhelming majority of cases, kids, listen to me. Get smart. There's about a 99.99999% probability that the best friends you've got on this planet is your mom and dad. And if they come to you and say, we don't want you in this relationship with him or with her, they're taking a risk on that that you may bow up and play Romeo and Juliet on them and run off or something and they know that but they love you so much they don't want you going down a path that they can see has, has, has danger at the other end. Now, you, you, they have been 18 before but, but, but you have never been 55 before. And I would beg you, listen to them. Pay attention to them. Amen? Someday, somewhere down the road, somebody might mention that little old brother Travis's uncle. Remember what he said. If that day comes into your life, you're a, you're, there's, there's a fork in the road there, and it's going to make all the difference in the world in your life. Listen to your mommy and your daddy. Amen? Samson said, no, I love her. And he did. But it, 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 was, it was a shallow love. It was a lustful love. It was against everything that God had called him to do and his mom and dad was exactly right. But no, he was bullheaded. He was going to have it or die. And when you get that, you make your bed if you lie in it. You, you know what I'm saying? Say with me. That, uh, he rejected that. That's, uh, he, he listened to what they said. And, and let me say something else, kids, while I'm on the subject. It ain't going to get done today, that's for sure. Marry a saved person. Don't be unequally yoked together. That, uh, j just, just don't. Jesus looked at lost people and said, Ye are of your father the devil. 
If you marry a lost person, you've got the devil for a father-in-law. You sure do. <clears throat> Their father is the devil. Now you've got the devil for a father-in-law. Be ye not unequally yoked together. You say, well, he'll change. He sure will. <laughs> Back to sitting in my office for 40 years and people coming in and sitting down and looking at me with a wrapped up hanky all tore up in their hand. He said, well, he'll get better. If you've married a lost person, I will pray with you about that. I will do what I can to help you. Your pastor will. Your parents, I'm sure, will. We're going to work towards that end. Amen, hallelujah. But the change that I have seen in the grand majority of cases is they just get meaner. They usually get worse. You're sitting there saying, not Bobby. I'm telling you, be not unequally yoked together. You say, well, brother, tell I'm married to a lost man. I'm married to a lost woman. What am I supposed to do? Well, if, if, if they're, you, you dwell with them. First Corinthians talks about that. And I, I, I'm not going to, you know, this, you could preach for weeks on this thing. But and we're going to, you be a sermon to them. You, 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 you pray. You, uh, you, you, you be a godly influence in their life. You get others to pray with you about it. And we're going to work and we're going to pray and we're going to witness and try to get that lost spouse saved. That, that, that's what we're going to do. But I'm telling you, just don't come and tell me or somebody else that it was God's will for you to bury a lost person. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. I love you to death, but it just wasn't. I'll help you, but it just wasn't. It's not, and it's not what you want for your kids. You're going to want to go to church, and they're not going to want to go. You're going to want to tithe, and they're not going to want to tithe. You're going to live a separated life, and they're going to think that's just all a bunch of fun. Be, be not unequally. Samson, he never, as smart as he was, he never got that. And it leads to trouble, and it led to trouble in his life. It's hard enough raising a family when you when you got two saved people. You all with little kids. You're here this morning. You had to start yesterday getting ready. <laughs> right? You, know, you got to put them in the bathtub. You know, you got to get their clothes ready. You got to, you know, tie them up so they don't get dirty. For the, almost, you know, not really. But, you know, I mean, it, it's hard enough when, 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 when both of you are saved. You got to fight a husband to try to be a godly influence in your kids' life. Listen to me. You say, come on, preacher, next point. Now, I'm just somehow or another, I've got something here treed. You listen to me. I will help you. You want the one that God has for you, and if you're a saved and belong to him, he wants an, another one saved that belongs to him to be your spouse. Amen? And there are some eunuchs made of men, and there are some eunuchs uh, 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 for the Lord's sake. Uh, sometimes someone, it's, they're not going to be married, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's God's will for their life. You see what I'm saying? Stay with me here. <gasps> That uh, Samson had to have the wrong one. Got him into all kinds of trouble. He was careless. He was dating the wrong girl. And he got into all kinds of trouble. Look at 14.5. We're going to hurry. Look at 14.5. Then when Samson down, his father's mother of Timnath came to the vineyards of Timnath. Behold, a young lion roared against him. The Spirit of the Lord came mildly upon him. That's what we're used to. He rent him as he would have rent a kid. He had nothing in his hand. He told not his father and mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. You can be very pleased you can be in love with somebody that's completely wrong for you. You can be very pleased and, and very happy about someone that's completely wrong. Get God involved in it. Get God in it. Now watch. And after a time, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees honey in the carcass and he took thereof in his hands what's wrong with that he's touching something dead he was told not to do that you see how things are going south here he's running around with a lost girl 
He's going to places he ought not go. He's touching things that he ought not touch. This thing is spiraling south very quickly. You following me here? And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother and gave them they did eat and he told them not that he had not taken honey out of the carcass. So his father went down into, into the woman and Samson made there a feast for so used the young men for so used the young men to do. Came to pass when they saw him that they brought thirty companions and Samson said, I will put you forth a riddle. If certainly declared Samson loved these riddles. He said, Within seven days and find it out, I will give you thirty sheets and thirty chains of garment. If ye cannot declare it unto me, then then ye give me thirty sheets and thirty chains of garment. They said, Put forth thy riddle that we may hear of it. He said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. What's he talking about? He's talking about the carcass of the lion and the honey, and it was an eater, and out of that came sweetness, and the honey came out. Now watch. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. It came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn, the, burn thee uh, and thy father's house with fire. Have ye called us to take that we have? Is it not so? Samson's wife's running around with people that's against Samson, and, and this thing is going south fast. Samson's wife wept before him and said, Thou dost but hate me, and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle on the children of my people, and hast not told it to me. He said, Behold, I have not told it my father nor my mother, shall I tell thee? Husbands and wives sometimes do have to be able to tell each other things that doesn't go to parents. That's true. You see what I'm saying? Now watch. She wept before him the seven days while they while their feast lasted, and it came to pass on the seventh day. He told her because she lay sore on him, and she told the riddle to the children of the people. The men of the city said unto him, The seventh day the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey, stronger than lion. He said unto them, If ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. Guys, let me give you some real good marital counseling right here. Look straight at me. Understand this. It's usually a bad idea to call your wife a heifer. All right? You just remember that. That Samson's getting in all kinds of trouble here, and he don't need any more. That's bad advice. Now watch. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ascalon, slew 30 of them, took their spoil, gave change of garments, and they expounded the riddle. His anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as, used as a friend. Samson's being carnal. He's becoming calloused. I'm going to have to skip a lot here. He becomes callous. There was an affair involved. And then he gets to running around with Delilah. Uh, he, uh, uh, he ends up with his head in the devil's lap and in the devil's barbershop. He, he, keeps, he keeps saying, you know, well, if you, if you did me with vines, and then if you did me with ropes, and, and, and then if you braided my hair, then if you cut it off. And, and he keeps, the Philistines are wanting to kill him and they're wanting to know about his strength and how it comes upon him. And do you notice how Samson just keeps getting closer and closer and closer to absolute disaster? Closer and closer. And then he finds himself in a situation he never dreamed he would be in. When he was a young man and memorizing the law and parents that loved the Lord and they're going on outings together and praying before meals and reading the scrolls. And as he was growing up and happy serving God and the Spirit of God coming upon his life, 
it would seem almost as perfect as it could get. And now he's come to such a horrible place, away from God, family torn to pieces, Philistines laughing at him, his wife turning on him, and then his power gone. And then when it was all gone, and they, she rose up and said, Samson, the Philistines be upon thee. And he jumped up as he had done so many times before, and he was ready to battle, and the Bible said, and he wist not that the Spirit of God had departed from him. It's one of the most tragic pictures to me in all of the Bible. Junior Hill wrote this poem. Now listen to this. Blind eyes from which the light of day has gone, bleak faces made sad by death's dread woe, dull cheeks from which the spark of youth has flown, dark roads that lead through waters deep and valleys low. Now listen. Sad pictures these, oh yes, tis so, but sadder still than all of them is he who's lost the touch of God and does not know. Is he who's lost the touch of God and does not know. Tragic to grab a songbook and walk to a pulpit and open it up where God has so used you before and think we'll do it again, not even realizing that the touch of God is gone. I'm not saying salvation's gone. I'm saying the blessing of God, that God is using him, that this is a vessel. For a preacher to get him an outline and throw in a joke and throw in an illustration and, and remember souls hearing and being blessed and sinners being convicted and some folks perhaps being saved walking to pulpits they've done it hundreds of times lay a Bible down and start through an outline and not realize that that touch they once enjoyed is gone you cannot play footsie with the devil. You cannot ignore the commandments of God. You cannot blatantly say, I want it, I will have it. There is a, an effect that takes place in the child of God's life and we put ourselves in a spot where God will not bless it anymore. But the Bible teaches that we can, that can happen and we don't even know it. How do we not even know it? Because we've got so far away from God. It becomes normal in our lives. Are you still with me? What happened? Sunshine. The Philistines put his eyes out. And little sunshine would never see the sunshine again. They put him in a place grinding where they would grind corn or wheat. And, and there the hero of Israel with his eyes gouged out bald-headed from his power had been shaven and with his eyes gouged out and grinding like a donkey. The Philistines, those that mocked God, those that hated God, those laughing on the side, the hero has become a laughing stock. Do you know something? Don't ever completely count out the child of God that's willing to repent. Samson knew he had done wrong. He quit arguing with his parents and with God, with everybody else. 
he got a little child to come along and that hair began to grow and he found the pillars of the, of the, of the, of the, of the temple and he destroyed more of the enemies of God in his death than he ever had in his life. God answered that next prayer and God used him again. <gasps> Amen. Could I ask you something? A teacher that stood up, if you're the teacher, <laughs> my daddy always said something that I thought was, you say you quote your daddy a lot, plan to till the day I die. <laughs> Just, I'm almost, I'm 68 and I still think, I wonder what dad would say about that. You know, I mean, that's, But uh, my daddy said this many times. He said, if you've ever been closer to God than you are right now, you're backslid right now. If you've ever been closer to God than you are right now, then you're backslid right now. You ever loved God and Tears came quicker and loved the word and was excited to get to church. And God's using your life. And that's just really not like that. He said, Don't judge me, preacher. I'm not if we judge ourselves, there's no we need not be judged. I'm asking you to judge you. And let me judge me. Amen. You remember times in your life when honestly. You went soul winning. Passed out some tracks. Witnessed across the backyard fence. Was excited about the missions program. Living for God. Excited. Memorizing verses. Reading good books. Didn't something bad came on the TV. We ain't watching that. You turn the channel. But now those days have slipped away. You say, Brother Terrible, we're not like Samson was there at the end. No, 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 no. But well, Sam Davidson said something that's really good. He said there's something more important than where you're at. It's where you're headed. <gasps> Do you see what he meant by that? <gasps> if we take where you used to be, when you, you look in your heart and you say, man, that's, those were good days. Maybe it was at summer camp. Maybe it was revival meeting. I, you know, whatever. You say those were good days, and, and, and now it's just not quite like that. All right, if you're on the wrong road, What's over there? What's right over there? Try not to point at anybody here. <laughs> What's right over there? It's the way you're leaning. What if Samson had said, all right, this is nonsense. My parents love me. My God loves me. I know better. I'm getting involved in things that I, that's, I, I know God's not happy with. This stops right here, right now. And he'd have found him an altar of prayer and got down and said, Lord, forgive me and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And God help me to get off of this path and get on the right one. What would have what, what, what happened then? What had happened then? What if David walked out on that porch and sitting there looking all Google-eyed? What if he had said, oh, this is nonsense. I know better. How it would have changed. What if Peter, you're one of them. Yes, I'm one of them, but he saved my soul and I'll never deny him. It could have changed right there. Right there. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What so do those people do? They kept on the wrong path. 
you're here this morning and lost, trust the Savior. If you're here this morning and God's spoke to your heart, this is a different kind of a sermon. I, what I've said this morning, 80% is not on them notes. I just got, you know. Where are you at? Where are you at? Do you remember better days? Go back. Go back. What did Abraham do? Went back to Bethel. You go back to Bethel. Where's God at? Right where you left him. Right where you left him. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name you'd speak to hearts. I thank